Hey, Bam. Mommy. Hi, Mommy. Hey, Bam. That's my name. Don't wear it out. All right, y'all. So, it's Bam. I'm back. Part two. Okay, so, y'all got a little tea time podcast before this. Just so y'all understand where I was at mentally, what happened to me. Like, just the background of my behavior and things that affected my thought process. So now I am, what, close to nine months with Roa. Um, Of course, by this time, I know he's a boy. I was very sad that he was a boy at first. I'm not going to lie. Because um, I really wanted a girl. But I'm very grateful that I had a boy because it definitely broke the generational curse um, of having kids early because my mom had me early. My grandmother had her brother early. So I'm very grateful that God did that. But this podcast is going to be more so about taking that pain and turning it into something else. So after I got to New Orleans, I was very depressed. Um, I was depressed after I had Roa. Um, I went into labor and didn't even know at the time, but almost bled out um, when I had him. When he came out of the birth canal, his face was purple because he got stuck. But, of course, I didn't know these things because I'm giving birth. My mother was the one watching. So, she told me this, like, a year later. She didn't tell me right away. One, because I was still depressed for a long time after I had Roma. Um, And it just wasn't the right timing, like, to add that onto my plate. So, yeah, that happened when I had him. And then when we got back home... Um, I had gotten sick. So, you know, you well, you I don't know if y'all all know, but when you have a baby vaginally, you stay in the hospital for like two and a half, three days. They call it three days, but it's really like two and a half. Depending on how long your labor actually is. My labor, I did not go get to the hospital until I was seven meters, seven meters dilated whatever you call it, seven centimeters. Yeah, seven centimeters dilated. So once I got there, they gave me a room. I didn't have to wait and all of that. And then I went from seven to 10 in three hours. My labor was only three hours. It was not as painful as people made it seem. There were other women on the floor hollering and yelling and I was just like oh my god I hope that's not me and it wasn't like they were very surprised that I was having a baby actually a lot of the nurse a lot of the nurses were coming to the door to see if I was really in labor because I was so quiet um my mom was walking around with me the whole time helping me breathe I was just walking I just did a lot of walking in the room I barely sat down during my labor, he um I had to push my water out, all that stuff. Fast forward, we're leaving the hospital. Everything's fine. Like, we're good. He's good. 
We're leaving the hospital. We get home. I have a seizure. So it's not like seizures that you would think like grandma seizures where like people are shaking on the floor. You got to put stuff in their mouth so they don't bite their tongues. No, it was an acute, acute seizure. I think that's what it's called. And that's where you basically like blink out. Like I was sitting at the table and they were talking to me. And I just literally blinked out, like, my eyes kind of just, like, glazed over. And then once I came to, like, a minute or two later, they were like, Shade, like, are you okay? I was just like, what? Like, I didn't know what they were saying. I didn't know what happened. None of that. So we didn't pay any mind at first. But it kept happening that day, that earlier that day. I think I had, like, maybe three. And by the third time... I could not walk by myself. So I was basically having seizures that affected my legs for um, a long period of time. Um, I wasn't able to. So I had to go back to the hospital. The day that we went home, that night, I went back into the hospital. So Roa automatically didn't have that bonding moment with me because as soon as we went home, we had to leave him with friends of the family because my mom and dad had to take me. So they couldn't bring him back into the hospital because we're we're not going to, um, you know, the section where they have babies. We're going to the regular section. So he did not, he wasn't with me all night, all day. Um, it was only God that covered him because he didn't even have milk. I wanted to breastfeed him. By the time they took him over to our friend's house, the stores were closed. Now, thank God, our friends at the time had babies. So they had some milk there that he could like drink on for a little bit. But it wasn't the same, of course. So I'm back in the hospital. Um, Fast forward, they doing tests after tests after tests. They don't know what is going on. They gave me EKGs. They took blood. They did all of this, like, all of this. Neurologists came to see me. Everything. Like, everything. Didn't know what was going on with me. They just chucked it up to stress. They said, oh, it's probably just stress because there's no other explanation for it. That's how they diagnosed me. And my doctor... But my midwife, she knew everything that was going on with me, like with um, Rose's father. So she was like, it's probably just stress. We're going to send you home. Send me home. I cannot walk by myself. I cannot get up and go to the bathroom by myself. I cannot walk up and down the steps. This is when we were in an apartment with steps. I mean, a house with steps. Couldn't go up and down the steps. So I was stuck upstairs. And my mom and dad now had to take care of Roe because I couldn't pick him up out of the crib by myself. He was in my room and my room was big enough where it was like basically like two rooms together. He was on one side, I was on the other. But because I couldn't get out of bed when he was crying and stuff to feed him, they had to keep him. Well, they kept him in his in his bed, but my mom just had to come back and forth and like put him next to me so I could feed him and all of that. So, 
like I said, I'm depressed now. I can't do nothing by myself. I was having seizures, acute seizures, every three months for a whole year. Now, in the beginning, I would have a couple at a time in one day. Then it would kind of start to dwindle down to where it was only one, but it would still affect my legs. So I can't work out. I can't do nothing. Like, I'm just depressed. So fast forward, I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this time um, to just like be a better me. I started when I got to New Orleans when I was six months pregnant. And I just started studying the Bible. Like, any and every scripture that God gave me, like, I was studying, writing it down, like, having a long time with God, all of that. So, by the end of the first year, I had all these scriptures in my my journal. And God gave me the task of writing a book. So, I was hesitant of course because I'm like write a book like ain't nobody gonna listen to me why would I write a book but I did eventually it took me two years to write it well not really write it because it was already written um but put it together and just like really have the courage to publish it so I think it was March 30th um Was it 2019? 2019. So that's three years after I had Rowan. I published my book called Milk and Honey, Maturing in Light and Love. I mean, Maturing in Light and Knowledge. Um, It's on Amazon. It's more geared towards single moms or just moms in general. Going through their process of being a single person and then becoming a mother. Um, so you can look it up on Amazon. If you would like, get it for a friend that you know is going through a transition moment. Um, it's even great for women who aren't pregnant or don't have kids. It's just for people going through transition. Like when you're shedding your old self and trying to become a better self, that's what it's for. Um, And then after that, I just made it my duty to push forward. Like, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Like, y'all hear my story. And that's just with Roa's father. Like, that's not even with the whole trauma of abandonment from my father, my biological father. Like, nothing. Like, nothing besides... My seven-year trauma relationship with his father and the aftermath. That's it. If you don't get nothing from this podcast, nothing from these stories, tea times, whatever you want to call it, just know that God is going to work it out. You have to push through. It doesn't matter if you crawl through, okay? Just get through. I know... There are other circumstances and you're like, oh, well, I had it worse than you. Okay, that's fine. You could have it worse than me. But what are you doing to get out of it? Are you pushing forward? Are you doing the things that you need to do? Are you becoming a better you? Because yes, even though 
that relationship with him was very toxic. I chose it. I chose to be in that relationship. I chose to go back and forth. I chose to do those things. So, yes, he should be held accountable for a lot that happened. But so should I. Because it takes two to tango. It takes two to have kids. It takes two to do all of these things that happen. So, I had to really sit down and look myself in the mirror and be like, all right, Shade, what is going on? Why are you? Why did you feel the need to go back and forth with this man? Why did you feel the need that you needed to be in love with him? Like, why did you? Why? Like, how did this happen? Where's your head at? How are you emotionally? And honestly, I can say before that, before I did all of that, I was very like... I was very, I don't give a fuck about anything, about life, about people. Like, unless it was my mother and, like, my best friends and my grandmother. I did not care. Like, I didn't care if I hurt your feelings by accident. I didn't care if I hurt them on purpose. I didn't care about the dudes that I was with in between me and Rowan's father going back and forth. I did not care, like... I just did whatever I wanted to do. I was like a fuck. I was a wrecking ball. Like I just did whatever I wanted to do. Went wherever I wanted to go. Said whatever I wanted to say. And excuse me. That's just not how you should live life. Like you have to really evaluate yourself. Why are you in these constant situations? Why are these people drawn to you? Why? Like. I had to really sit down and say, why shot it? Why? Why? And it wasn't pretty at all. It was not pretty at all. I had days where I did not get out of my bed. Literally. Literally did not get out of my bed unless I went to the bathroom. And to eat. And I will go right back in my bed. Mind you, I have a whole baby running around in a walker. Because we put him in the walker early. Like nine months. Eight, nine months. Whole baby running around in the walker. But my mom and dad is taking care of them. One, because I can't do stuff by myself. And when I could do stuff by myself, I was overly depressed. And just in a dark space. So my mother never even like pulled on me. Or made me do things because she knew where I was. And I honestly didn't know that I was depressed until I got out of it. I didn't know that I was so sad and so just like blah until I woke up from it. And that's just the message that I want to give y'all. It doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're going. Who you're around, like, one, if God wants you, he's going to pull you up out of that. He does not care if he has to sever every relationship that you have ever made. If he wants you, he's coming to get you. Especially if you know he's been calling your name and you've been ignoring him. Two, take one step at a time. Keep pushing forward. If you need to separate yourself from certain people, do that. Your peace of mind is what matters. I know a lot of people who question my tactics on parenting, 
on, oh, well, you should have the father around, not for you, but for Roa. Yes, you're absolutely right. He should be around. But every situation is different. Every human being, every father is different. And if that father is a detriment to that child's um, life and personality and reality and not going to help him prosper in the way in which he needs to, then no, he should not be around. Unfortunately, I decided to procreate with this person. So like I said, it's partially on me for having to have to make that decision. But I can't. I can't be upset about what I did and where I'm at. I just have to combat it and make better choices moving forward. And I can wholeheartedly say that my son is better off. Is he going to ask questions in the future? Yes, he is. And I am going to tell him the truth about everything. But until then, this is what is going to happen. This is where we're at. And you have to stand 10 toes down on what you know in your heart is correct for you and your children and the people that you love. What you know God is telling you to do. Because he's not going to keep you in confusion and strife. None of that. Always pray. I don't know if everybody who listens to me believes in God, but I do. And that's who got me out of all the muck and mire that I was in. So... All I'm saying is keep pushing forward. Keep doing what it is that you need to do. Lead with love always because karma is a bitch. And you don't want her to come back and bite you in the ass. So that's my little, I guess, my little preaching moment. Um, But, yeah, I just wanted y'all to understand, like, yes, I went through these things. Um, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. I don't attract who I used to attract. I don't say what I used to say. I don't do what I used to do. I am a different person now. I am a better person now because of the situation. Um, and now I just know, like, I just know what I don't want. And you should too. So I love y'all. Hopefully the next podcast, the next episode is a little bit more lighthearted, um, but just keep your head up, keep pushing forward. Until next time, I'll talk to y'all soon. It's Bam and I'm signing off. Peace.